Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. back to another episode of Black Girls Texting, aka The Glasses Gang, aka if you want to sponsor us in these glasses because we look so black and cute. <laughs> Pull up. <laughs> For those who can't see this, because this is a audio first platform, we are all wearing, what, aviators? or Yeah. Yes, aviators. Okay. Wait, I'm um, and I'm shut this. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But you have to say who got them first. Kelsey had them first. I want to say hers are St. Laurent. Correct. Oh, wow. Yes. Mine are Ray-Ban. Yours are Ray-Ban. A nice $90. (laughs) I like that yours are gold. Mine are not gold. Oh, yours are not gold? No, they're like, um, it's almost like a, I don't know what color it is. like a brassy thing. Off gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mm, Mine are Warby Parker and they're also gold, but they were actually kind of red because I'm blind. So I had to get like a like if from the side. It's oh, those giving, are real. Oh, right. You yeah, can't yeah, yeah. See. I can't uh-huh. see. From the side, it's giving um. What are they? What are those glasses called? The elderly people be wearing bifocals. Oh, bifocals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said that older people were wearing, and then you said Cartier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm crying. I kind of no. spent bread on my glasses. So my job gives me stipend for glasses. And I still spent $500 because she was like, do you want to add blue light? Do you want to add, make them transfer from day to night? Whatever the fuck that's called. Do you want to add this? I was like, yeah, bitch, add it all. Whatever the fuck. Someone's paying for it. And then I was like, ooh, girl. Guys, I worked in eyewear. You don't have to pay those prices for glasses. That's ridiculous. Well, ma'am, my glasses two were weeks ago. $50. So what was I finna do? Anyways, this is not an episode about classes. This is an episode about reparations. Um, And, you know, how are the girls feeling? What are we reading? What are we replying to? I can go. So y'all hoes ain't ready. I'm I'm actually not ready. No, go Glenn, because I'm actually not ready. I lied. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to leave on red the fact that I'm doing this fucking prolon cleanse and I'm watching this show called All of Us Are Dead on Netflix. I think it's, yeah, it's a Korean show. And you know, in Uh, these shows, they be eating a lot. There's like lots of eating scenes, lots of food, lots of bowls of rice, lots of smacking and chewing and eating and food. Like it's making me hungry as hell. But they're eating people. No, I didn't get to that part yet. I didn't Wait, get to that I part didn't yet. know that. You guys are such show. It's rumors. a zombie show. What are y'all talking about? I didn't know what it was about. And I was, was going to start it. I mean, it's clear that they're going to eat people. <laughs> it's that's, very that's from the, um, the fucking Netflix trailer. photo. Yeah. What? I don't watch trailers before I watch shows because I like to be surprised. I mean, I'm not following what the hell is happening in the show right now, to be honest. But anyway, the thing I'm going to reply to is more of like an idea but it's also inspired by something on Netflix. So I watched the Tinder Swindler like many other people in the world. Mm-hmm. And then I was reading this article last night in New York Magazine about this girl. I think her name was like Danielle Miller or something. It was a story of how she's like a credit card scammer and she the became Bitcoin friends bitch. with, maybe, maybe that's what it is. And uh-huh. she, like she went to Horace Mann and she became friends with Anna Delvey in, pres- in prison. And Anna Delvey is the infamous Soho grifter. And then there's this other movie that's coming out on Netflix about 
like swindling roommates that like finessed their roommates and like credit card scammed them and became squatters. And I just was having this thought of like, why are we collectively, it seems, or many people, pop culture, like obsessed with scams and people who are getting over on people. I feel like there's just like so many stories like this out now and they're so fascinating to me. And I did some research and like there, it, there was a trend. It was really like in like 2019, apparently it was called the year of the scammer. Like there were so many films and movies and books and articles about scam artists. And I just wondered if maybe the obsession is just like watching people like get around systems or something, you know, well, and just like decide that a- like they don't have to subscribe to the way everybody else has to get it in this yeah. rat race, you know? I feel like maybe it's also like cautionary tales like, mm-hmm. oh, so you like you watch things and, you, and you're and you like, it could never be me. Right. But I do remember there was that movie. I think it was like called I Care where she was scamming the old people. And, <gasps> yes. then, there was, and then there was that Tyler Perry movie where it was like Deliver Us from Grace or something. Yep. And it was like the lady who was getting scammed by the young man. But yeah, it's like a mad. Whoa. It's like know a, a lot about this thing. There's the movie about the girl that did the. Theranos thing as well right she that's like a big huge scam like people love scams yeah love them I love them too I I like need more scam shit I think it's so fascinating when black people scam they go to jail but say you could go to Canarsie no shame no it's true (laughs) well it made me think about how there's scamming just happening at all times at all different levels like the wealthiest people in the world that have like generational wealth have all been scammers forever that's how they got that rich. I was about to say, exactly. if we're going to get into they it, steal. what yeah. is not a fucking scam Correct. in this country? That's Insurance, also scam, so credit card. Everything is a scam. scam. such a fucking scam. <laughs> oh my God. Now we have insurance scam. Yeah, they, they, they just turn anything into something and then make it not a scam. Right. And right, right. just, sorry, I know we're not talking about insurance, but you pay all that money and then they, you still, they don't give you all the money. No, sorry, insurance is a scam. It really is. well chelsea does is that maybe something you'd like to leave on red what are you feeling over there miss la wait did glenn reply to something i mean did Um, you have something on red replying to the scam tv yes yeah you didn't have anything genre um the fact that i'm hungry and i'm watching people on tv eat humans no okay so the human function of your body kimchi and shit (laughs) Okay, so I am replying. Well, I don't really have much to leave on red, but I'm replying to, and you guys already know this, my gift, my mm. amazing gift. I thought it was like really thoughtful. So I want to elevate it. I always send like my fiance like nail pictures and videos. And I sent him one and I was like, oh my God, this is the Euphoria nail artist. And I guess like behind my back, he like, scheduled an appointment with her and so she came to my house and like we were chatting it up she's so cool her name's natalie minerva so talented she gave me like these purple nails so cool see it up close and yeah we were like talking about the show and talking about life and she was giving me all these tips about california and also it's also wild because it's a really small world when I was in Antigua for my friend's bachelorette party last year, she was also there that same time. And we like figured it out and like because of certain things, but like it was, it was very cool. And then I have a question. How did you like determine what you were going to get on your nails? Yeah, I never know what to too. get on my nails when I go get them done so at I the had hood a- spot. I had been admiring her page for a while. And like, of course she has all these like designs on her page, but 
she had one that was my same nail art, but it was pink. And so I just knew I wanted to get that because I know, you know, if you do your nails, you know, when you do a nail art on every nail and extensive nail art, that's like more money. Bread. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm going to do the, the most. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to do it. Correct. Like, this is the one that I saw. Oh, okay. So pretty. you saw inspo. Pretty yeah. Cool. And so she was like, she was like, I mean, we can do pink, but if you want to do another color, we can. And I was like, okay. And so we came up with purple. Also side note, I love Valentine's Day themed nails. I know yours aren't necessarily, but we can say that they are. Yeah. They kind of are. Yeah. yeah. The goal is to be pink to make them Valentine. But right. Yeah. I don't know what my obsession with that is. And I've seen so much nail art that's like that recently that I've saved down. And I'm like, do I'm it. I'm going to wear this once a year. I already did. I have a little heart on my finger. Oh, but yeah. But I'm like, wow, I would only do this in February. Like, I don't know if I would have mad hearts on my fingers in like July, but why I'm not? Kind of obsessed. Spread love all year. That's true. Maybe I can get into it. Yeah. Um, You're not leaving anything on red. You're that blissful and happy and joyous. Yeah. I was just talking to Glenn before we started recording and all of my, fr- like a lot of my friends are like, so what have you done yet? Like, are you meeting people? Da, da, da. And like, I don't know if I told you guys this story, but when I started college, I basically had, I signed up for a single. They gave me a single as a freshman in college, which probably wasn't the best decision because my first two weeks in college, I stayed in my room by myself. And the only reason why I had <laughs> Sorry, friends in college, funny, but <laughs> the only reason why I had friends in college was because one girl decided to become my friend. And then I became friends with her friends. And then that's how it happened. But the same has been true here. Like literally my friends are like, have you done anything? And I'm like, no, I stay in the apartment all day. So they like forced me to go to the pool. So I went to the pool yesterday and that was really nice. And then our friend, our mutual friend passed, send us an invite for a 10 to one event. And I was like, you know what, let me go. And I was telling Glenn, like everyone here is so eager to like meet new people. And so like this, like really like cool looking black girl was there. And like, so we gravitated and we're going to have dinner soon. So Chelsea making friends. I love yes. that. Wait, have you seen your your bestie though? Yes, she's been over here like she's been over here like three times. I'm actually seeing her tonight because okay. we're celebrating. Um, her birthday falls on Valentine's Day, so happy early birthday to Taylor. Yes, um, I did remember that. Happy birthday, Taylor. Happy birthday, girl. Yes. So tonight we're doing like a dinner, and it's actually actually I'll reply to that too because tonight's like my first real LA night it's gonna be dinner at Gigi's and then we're going out to Delilah's oh my god how cute oh boy you're so LA it's gonna be very interesting so I'm excited send pics of the fit put it on the put it on the close friends uh if you know you a patron you get to see the close friends I've been close friendsing it up all day today oh I saw yes I saw I don't know if you're gonna talk about what you did maybe we do it on a next episode yeah we can patreon Oh, I'm excited. Um, I haven't been on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll jump in and first just say that's so exciting. It Moving is so hard, so it's great to hear that it's been a pleasant experience. I'm going to start with my red, which is my constant external crisis whenever I come to Mexico City of like, why don't I live here? Why do I live in New York? What am I doing with my life? You need to move. Sorry. Um, but the challenge is if I were to move here, would it just become like the way I feel about New York or any other city that like, you know, you go and you come and then it's fun because you don't live there all the time. So you're always constantly learning new things. And don't get me wrong, you constantly learn new things in New York, but like, will it still become this kind of like 
exciting place or will it be like uh, mundane monotony work life blah 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 blah. and I don't know um I'm leaning towards like trying to do like half and half the other challenge with that is I am like trying to develop a relationship with someone so that's kind of something that uh, like I should consider but then I'm like do I have to can I can I have it all so I don't know (laughs) I don't know about that part how does he feel about everything yeah Talk to that no, no, haven't even, haven't even. I mean, he he knows it's something that I like w- would love to do because I'm always fucking here. Mm-hmm. But no, we haven't really gone into detail about that. That's probably something I could broach. You know um, what's so interesting though? Like, I mean, obviously, whatever decision you make will be the right decision. But like, also, I don't know. Like, sometimes think like timing timing might not be right if if you if you want to invest in this relationship. Because I don't know if you guys remember, but like out of college, I wanted to move to LA. Yeah. But then like I met who I'm currently engaged to. And I kind of was like, you know, this the relationship got more serious. And like in my head, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not not investing in this relationship. So I'm not moving anymore. And now I'm here. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Not it is saying kind of that, but it's like you, you I mean, yeah, it's I meant have- to happen, you're gonna end up there. I have no idea. Again, this is why I'm leaving it on red because it's such an existential crisis of what ifs yeah. and hows and what's and like, would this even be possible? Like if I lived here half the year, I would literally be having to like hide this from my employer because it's a whole fucking complicated thing. You know, like, oh, with, like right, it'll change your shit. Exactly. Yeah. It's not as simple as like picking up my shit like these nomad vagabonds who live here. No shade to y'all, but y'all know that that's what y'all are. Um, <laughs> and just like roaming the streets of Mexico City, making art and shit. Like I would have to get all my ducks in a row. So, so maybe you about, maybe you stay in New York for a while, bank up, like collect mad bread and then sneakily move. And if you get caught, at least you have a lot of money. (laughs) I want to see you live there so badly. I I ran into a friend of a friend yesterday and I was like, what are you doing here? Like, do you live here? And he's like, yeah I've been here for like a year and I was like oh that's amazing he was like yeah it started with two weeks then it was four weeks then it was six weeks then it was a month then I was always here and I was like oh my god that's me (laughs) people are enamored by Mexico City I definitely need to visit he's like just make the move also this is not a Mexico City PSA don't bring your gentrification shenanigans up in here if you are you know that's about to happen it's already come correct. Yeah, come it's correct. Happening. Don't come here talking about no hola. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. If somebody came to America and did that bullshit, you would be upset. So don't be pulling that <laughs> shit here. Get your Duolingo out right now. Get your Duolingo out. <laughs> Fair. At least be able to move around in Espanol. Period. Now my reply, which is kind of connected to my red, because I talked to my therapist a little bit about this. A bitch got a new therapist. A bitch mm-hmm. got a new therapist. Um, we loved Pam, but I think I needed something a little new. Um, this therapist is a little bit younger. Not that I think that's a huge factor. Some people do like having older therapists for kind of like that wisdom feeling, but like she was starting to, I feel like I wasn't fully opening up to her. Like I wouldn't sit and like share like sexcapades and shenanigans and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and like, there were just certain things that I wasn't like fully there with her on. And it started to feel like there were like these blockers where I didn't feel like I was progressing, but just mm. kind of like steady, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
So I wanted to be challenged. Exactly. I wanted to be challenged. I wanted something to really push me in a new perspective. Mm -hmm. She takes insurance, child. This shit is $15. (laughs) Okay. Wow. 15. Wait, can you share her? Please share her. I've asked you that already. No, you said you wanted someone new. You did not explicitly say to share her. Um, Please share her, please. Is she she black? She's Dominican, baby. Okay. And she's from New York. Chelsea, what was that (laughs) No, it just made me think of Danny Lee and that situation. Oh, Lord. No. (laughs) Which we can talk about. Well, see, the thing I love about her is like, even though she's not black and it is great as a black woman to have a black therapist, I do like that she is a New Yorker and like has Caribbean roots. So she still kind of understands some of the, obviously it's not going to be the same, um, yeah. but she does definitely understand some of those cultural differences. Um, yeah. Like she asked me, like, do I have any history of anxiety or anything in my family? And I was like, my father definitely has anxiety. He does not know what to call that. He's <laughs> 75. Right. And he talks about how much smoking weed helps him relax. And I'm like, yeah, nigga. Cause you anxious, You're anxious. <laughs> And she's like, oh, yes, I know how that goes. And I'm like, you feel me? Um, Oh, my God. Have you ever seen those TikToks of the white therapist talking like he's it's a black man, but he's pretending he's a white therapist. And he's like, so your mother said she was going to kick your ass into last year. You did not take the chicken out of the freezer. Right. Is that correct? (laughs) She's yes. like, well, why would she be so upset about that? And it's really funny. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Do that to yourselves. But it's great. I told you guys this in text. You like start every session with like an emotion wheel. And so she's like, tell me how you felt this week. Obviously, you might go through an array of emotions. And she's sharing her screen while she's doing it. So she's like circling everything that you describe and like taking notes for you to see and then like kind oh, of wow. connecting things. Like immediately she was like, oh, so you're anxious attached. And I'm like, Oh, how'd you do that? Wow. Oh, wow. I love tools. Yeah, we love tools. And so she was like, you know, this week, I want you to think about this wheel and jot down how you're feeling and jot down your emotions and like kind of the ebbs and flows. And we'll talk about it next week. And um, I'm very excited. A bitch loves to work on herself. How'd you find her? Through another friend. That sees the same woman? Okay. That's a question that I have. Is it ethical for friends to have the same therapist? Like, do you tell the therapist? Or so no, because keep- my friend was like, sometimes they will not see you if that's the case. So right. when I do so, pass yeah. it on to you, you don't got to say. I was just me. thinking about yeah. that because I'm like, <laughs> y'all going to come up. Well, <laughs> right. That going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you probably can't name tell names. Them. I talked about y'all bitches in the first session. I say y'all names. <laughs> Damn what you said that you was late. No, she was like, what are, what are, fuck you. What are are some of your stressors? No, she said, um, she was like, in your intake form, you said you wanted to break bad habits and like, she's like bad patterns that you're recognizing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I even notice sometimes with my co-hosts, I'll be like, why don't these bitches know what I'm thinking in my head and do what I just need them to do? It makes no sense. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't say your names. I said bitches. No. (laughs) Yeah. She sounds good. Yeah. I want to check her out like dead ass she's awesome i had a meeting with my a meeting whatever a thing with my therapist and she just was like angela 
right exactly she's like sounds like you're really stressed at work and then she was just silent I was like duh what the are you kidding me <laughs> yeah I like, yes what the fuck is that like you I need you to shit. tell me <laughs> like well okay, mine started and- playing games <laughs> and I was like these games aren't helpful like it's not like it's actual not helpful games to me. Yeah, like weird games, but like clearly that's not what my personality likes. Like maybe someone else will like that shit. I'm not trying to spend X amount of dollars for you to play a fucking game that I can Google online. Wait, wait, wait. Games? <laughs> what do you mean games? <laughs> You've been saying that your therapist is playing games and I thought you were saying like... Is she, she not scheduling she, with she you? She's around. She no, like games. actual she games. Really like games. she went on Google and found like a... Uh, opening up game or like like I I, I don't I don't I mean I like again I like interactive things so I see why like why she did that so you might like her interesting (laughs) no I don't know no games (laughs) I want to talk I want you to tell me what I'm doing wrong what I'm doing right what I can do to be better that's right I feel like all I do is just like like un like figure it out for myself in the my sessions and I want my therapist to yeah tell me shit and ask me questions right versus me just like talking 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 I probably need a new person too because me and like this lady knows she's I've been with her for like three years so I think I just need a new she's probably like just tired of my shit right basically she's like yes you're stressed (laughs) and right exactly she don't have nothing new to say right but is she giving you tools to like cope with these things or y'all just talk about it no she'll just be like well you know you really like structure like yes (laughs) so like like, (laughs) you need to set some goals okay i don't know it's just like not enough Mm. yeah it might be time shout out to chrissy ford i want to say she either talks about this on her stories or maybe in her newsletter, her newsletter um, breaking up with your therapist. So mm-hmm. if you guys need to make the jump, she's definitely a great resource. Mm-hmm. She also recently had a, um, I didn't read it yet, but like a newsletter and the title was something like why I replaced therapy with um, tarot card. Reading. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I did see yeah. that too. Which I I've been about. meaning to read that as well. Mm-hmm. My first ever therapist was like mad wah wah or whatever yeah yeah like she used to pull cards every time wow, i was there wow. woo woo i guess the girls be saying woo woo, woo, woo. <laughs> she pulled cards i would leave we would meditate and she would say like now go forth in a in a array an array of See? purple lights would not be so she would leave me out like leave me out one day and then one time in my session i talked about somebody that i like that i had a whole thing with and then i saw him when as soon as i walked out and i was like this bitch a witch the witch oh i kind of like that yeah it was kind of crazy i had to t- I text her. If, it, if the woo woo is actually working no nah, it was real that it was crazy i saw him as soon as i walked out the fucking door didn't make no sense wow mm-hmm. i find it funny because i was talking to my therapist about um enneagrams and horoscope i feel like sometimes those can align i don't know though i'm not a fucking professional <laughs> and I thought she was going to be like, not this bitch talking about someone so uh, Pisces. But she was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I was like, yay! <laughs> we can do this! Hmm? Do you know what her sign is? No, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to ask. Um, all right, well, that was a very long Reddit reply. It was. <laughs> do we it have, was. But I thought it was good. Do we have like, like a um, 
that stupid segment. <laughs> Yo. Can everyone who's pro hotline bling just just hit us up? Please stand just, up. But if you think it's a dumbass segment, also stand up. And we How are you going to talk about your own product? <laughs> <laughs> She's telling you to leave hate in the comments. <laughs> yeah, like if you hate that segment, just let us know. Let's do a Whatever poll. you guys want. I have a couple things. I have a couple things. So um, the Haitian man I was talking about a couple weeks ago, he's been texting me, but I just like don't have the energy to text back. <laughs> and he sent me just like some really bizarre things recently he was like in Miami with some friends and he was like I'm having the best time ever like I'm gonna send you this video (laughs) of like what like what I'm doing and the video was just like a bunch of men like screaming and like drinking beer but it was like low-key mad corny like it didn't make any sense I was like so why would you send me this I don't get it so I don't know and then now I just got we're supposed to meet up but I just got Kybella which is the thing we were alluding to earlier. So my face is going to just keep swelling up over the next like three weeks. So oh, I was like, it doesn't look bad. Yeah. So your it's... face is going to be swollen like those pictures for three weeks. I don't know. <laughs> did I don't you, know. Did you ask them? close friends? I will. They said that it, it, it really just depends. depends. Yeah. You just like kind of don't know what you're going to get. At the the person. person like people react differently. Diet. No. Nope. Is there something I need to cut out that I'm eating? Like I need no, to know girl, how to prevent our bodies this. are different. No, I know because I I had read that you could take antihistamines, and she's like, "Don't take it." Oh my god, fuck. Um, another text, another hotline bling. The boy from the island. Who remember <gasps> I was telling y'all that? Yes, he's been texting me a bunch or whatever. We spoke a bunch for a while, and then, like, I was trying, I was like Ging him a little bit when we met, and you know, I was like, "I'm a writer. You're a writer. You should send me your work." <laughs> Knowing I didn't really want to read the damn work. And then he just messaged me like, hey, what's your email address? I'm going to send you my writing. And I never replied. Um, and then <laughs> just a bunch of savagery over here. Sheesh. And then this other guy, I know I, it's rude. I'm going to write back. <laughs> I, just, I just know that I don't have time to read it. So I don't want to, I guess, I guess, I, exactly. I guess I could write <laughs> back and say, I don't have time. Yeah. I guess that could work. And then there's this guy that I met in college, real random at a tattoo party. He was like the tattooer. Very strange. This is in like Virginia. And then he moved to New York at some point, This like over the past like six years. Um, I guess he's been following me on Instagram this whole time. I had no idea. I just randomly went into my like, you know, unread messages at like hidden message thing. And he's been like responding to all my stories. And recently after all my stories been like, yo, Glenn, hit me up. Call me, call me call me and I'm like yo is something happening like I got a little bit scared and then I was like yo I don't have your number anymore I texted him and he's just like yeah you know I'm, I'm back in bed sty I just wanted you to know da, 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 da. but his Instagram looks really weird y'all like I'm gonna send you guys the page He'd be posting like really odd, like conspiracy theory kind of stuff. Block next. And, yeah, in one of the posts, <laughs> it was like, uh, "I lost my mind this year, but I'm just getting it back." Um, just like a lot of stuff. No. <laughs> but he's fine, um, though. <laughs> no, we're okay. We're okay. He's fine. Uh, I'm sending you it. Sound to- like those people who are like, "I saw all the red flags, but I still did it." I know. I still- Push the gas pedal. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm not, I, I also haven't replied to him either. So basically, it's just people blowing up my hotline that I'm not responding to. Oh, I also have a good hotline bling. The video that you sent us yesterday. Of, but you don't like this segment. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. And I don't. So actually, I'm not going to share it. Oh my god! And this man is not even that cute. So the video, no. the video you sent us yesterday of your friend, whose friend is like a big fan of our show, and like oh, his comments yes. were so sweet. And oh, like, that's a good. One. Really made us feel good, and basically he was like, "It was really thought provoking. I loved all their different perspectives." So it's really nice to hear like positive feedback when you're like actually putting work into something consistently. So shout out to him. Yeah. That was nice to get. Shout out to him. Shout out to him. See, we love that. Tell us and it was a guy. Love it. Who, I love that so much. I know. I was like, who is this person? Yeah. My good sis. That's a black girl doing this shit. This week, our, we're going to be talking about reparations in the group chat. And I basically met Camilla Moore um, off of Clubhouse. And she always talks about reparations. So like, Every time she's in a clubhouse room, it's to talk about reparations. So she's super committed to the work. Um, her name is Camila Moore, uh, and she is a repertory justice scholar and attorney. As a law student, Moore co- contributed to human rights reports related to domestic and international human rights issues, including but not limited to racial inequality in Brazil, the human right to sanitation in Lowndes County, Alabama. Oh, shit. And, and the human right to remedy for indigenous Black women affected by racialized gender violence in Papua New Guinea. While studying abroad at the University of Amsterdam, Moore uh, wrote a master thesis exploring the intersections between international law and repertory justice for the transatlantic slave trade chattel slavery and their legacies. She earned a Juris Doctor degree from Columbia Law School in New York City, a Master of Law degree in International Criminal Law from the University of Amsterdam, and a Bachelor's degree from the University of California in Los Angeles, aka UCLA. Camilla Moore was appointed to the Reparations Task Force by Speaker of the Attorney of the Assembly, uh, Anthony Rendon or Rendon. And listeners, I think, and co-hosts, I think going forward, we really should do the intros with the guests because now I want to invite Camille on again (laughs) to talk about all this stuff. But we have a really great conversation um, coming for you guys where we kind of just break down reparations. I kind of wanted it to be like a reparations 101, but we should definitely have her back on, dig a little deeper. Um, But I'm excited for you all to listen. Thank you to the clubhouse mayor, Chelsea, for and us to the clubhouse mayor. All these Guys, I cool actually voices. don't talk on clubhouse at all. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed this episode. I had a time zone snafu, mm-hmm. but I'm sure the girls did me proud. Shade only represents her Grenadian side. She missed oh. reparations. This is false. This is not true. <laughs> You're not going to get yours. Shade, we talked about how I'm you going to get it. She's going to get hers. The key. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you missed the key. You missed the key I'm going to listen to the episode and I'm going to find out. Um, yeah, but we're definitely going to have her back on. Listen up. And now a word from our sponsors. Have you ever been on a date and it's going well and then all of a sudden they drop a huge deal breaker? Ooh, girl, you mean like they reveal they don't vote? Yes, I have. It's terrible. It's awkward. And you just want to get the hell out of there immediately. I know. So, well, thanks to the dating app OkCupid, you may never be in that situation again. OkCupid finds people you're most compatible with. 
Here's how it works. The OkCupid app learns what's important to you by asking you questions. Then the app's one-of-a-kind algorithm pairs you with people that care about what you care about, like puppies and reproductive rights. That means no more wasted money, no more wasted time, and no more surprises. It's time to find your person. Download the dating app OkCupid today. Hey, group chat, it's Shade here, and I'm excited to share more about Walmart and Black and Unlimited. Black and Unlimited is a celebration of being whatever we want to be. Black and Unlimited is being black in rock and roll and country singer, black in outdoor adventure and vegan, black in cosplay fan and comic book lover and cowboy too. And for who we are and anything else we want to explore, there's Walmart. We can pick up a yoga mat to be black and zen, the ingredients we need to be black and vegan, or a skateboard to be black and rad and fearless. I personally love hosting and having my loved ones over for dinner and a fun game night. And I know I can go to Walmart for all my dinnerware needs and board games and cards for us to have an incredible night. I also have recently gotten back into the swing of things with my fitness. And I know I can go to Walmart for all of my fitness gear, whether it's a yoga mat or weights or whatever I need to get back in shape and just have that alone time to relax and connect with myself. So I encourage you all to celebrate all you are. Celebrate being black and unlimited. Feel free and inspired to explore anything and everything that could bring you joy. Hulu has the shows and movies you love and is committed to providing a platform for black stories to continue to be seen with the Hulu Black Stories Hub. Watch Women of the Movement and catch up on Snowfall, Atlanta, Queens, Grand Crew, Blackish, and Abbott Elementary. Binge RuPaul's Drag Race, Power, Queen Sugar, Tyler Perry's Have and Have Nots, plus Hulu originals like Wu-Tang and American Saga, Woke, and more. With all those, plus classics like Living Single and docuseries like Your Attention, Please and Black Love and Hulu original movies like The United States versus Billie Holiday and Onyx Collective's award-winning documentary Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, you can find stories and storytellers that highlight and celebrate Black history, past and present, on Hulu's Black Stories Hub, 365 days a year. Hulu subscription required. Terms apply. And now we are back with more Black Girls Texting. So group chat, we are so excited. Camilla Moore is here, our Black girl doing shit. Um, We wanted to talk about reparations. It's a topic that we hear on the news. Um, We kind of hear some misinformation about the topic. And I met Camilla through Clubhouse. Um, She always came with the information, with the facts. So I wanted to invite her into the group chat. Um, This is Reparations 101. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome, Camilla. Hi, thank you all for having me. I'm super happy to be here. Um, It's always a pleasure to be in a space with Chelsea and so happy to meet you, Glenn. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. So first of all, I guess this is might sound like a silly question and a lot of these questions might sound silly, but this is Reparations 101. What is Reparations? Sure. So reparations in layman's terms is all about repairing um, the victim group uh, for the harms or injuries that they sustained based on um, the wrongdoer party, right? And so you can apply those situations to a war context and historically reparations is a concept that came out of 
wartime um, issues, but um, more contemporarily, you're seeing reparations being applied to um, situations related to human rights um, issues, right? And one of those contexts that's applied is reparations for slavery and Jim Crow and the afterlife of slavery, such as, you know, the broken promise of reconstruction uh, to Black codes, convict leasing, Jim Crow, as I mentioned, um, to mass incarceration, redlining, and other more contemporary harms. Has anyone in the United States ever gotten reparations? Because I feel like the argument I always hear or the pushback is, oh, it's never going to happen. Like America is never going to pay black people anything for something that happened, quote unquote, so long ago. Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. And yes, many different groups have received reparations from the United States government Um, One example um, would be um, victims of the Japanese internment camps um, and the the survivors um, of of those Japanese internment camps received um, particular um, amounts of monies uh, from the United States government um, through legislative means. So um, Japanese Americans is one primary example of, of people getting reparations from the United States. Yes, I feel like, you know, post-slavery, we we would hear this term of like enslaved people were old, formerly enslaved people were old, um, like their 40 acres and a mule as their form of reparations. And when you were just talking about that example you gave, how do you think we can determine what, like put a cost on or a price on what descendants of slavery are owed? That's a really great question and point, right? Because the contributions of, you know, enslaved Africans uh, to building the foundation of the United States is and was immeasurable and priceless, right? So in a way, um, you know, it would be very difficult to quantify that cost or that debt that's owed to, you know, the descendants of those enslaved. Um, But at the same time, as the chairperson of the California Reparations Task Force, we're actually tasked with um, you know, potential uh, calculating any potential forms of compensation um, to the eligible um, community for reparations. And so in part of that process, we're actually engaging um, the hiring of many different economists to serve on an economic consultant team where, you know, in, in their own professional backgrounds, they've kind of done this work about how do you quantify reparations for slavery for the afterlife of slavery, like Jim Crow, um, and those other harms that I mentioned, um, I'm really looking forward to the work that the California Reparations Task Force is engaging in in, in this next year with those um, team of economists to do that that really difficult work. So is reparations, is it only money? I think I know the answer to this, but for our <laughs> listeners... <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely. And um, under international law, because that's something that I've studied extensively in law school, um, under international law, we know that reparations comes in at least five forms. So we know the cliche um, that we hear about reparations being just a check or money, um, but compensation is important, but it's just one form of reparations under international law, right? There's There's other forms as well, such as uh, restitution, which accounts for like stolen land, maybe through the process of eminent domain or um, stolen intellectual property, 
let's say there's a descendant of an enslaved person who created an invention and never, you know, received um, their, their, um, their just due in terms of compensation for that invention. Um, it can get very granular, right? Um, but aside from compensation and restitution, there's also rehabilitation. So, you know, that's a discussion around free mental health services or lineage therapy or free substance abuse programs, right? Ways in which you can heal the Black American community for the harm they sustained over time. And then also there is satisfaction. And so satisfaction is talking about the more symbolic measures of reparations, like a formal apology from the state or, for the go- or from the government um, to other symbolic measures like, um, you know, changing street names to honor Black American um, heroes or um, implementing statutes and things like that to honor um, Black American history. Juneteenth being a federal holiday could could technically also be considered reparations under the form of satisfaction in international law, but that's debatable. And uh, to close, the fifth form of reparations under international law is guarantees of non-repetition. I won't go on and on about the the formal explanation or definition of that form, um, but that could manifest in discussions around police and prison reform, Uh, criminal justice reform, even conversations around abolition. It's basically um, the state making a guarantee to stop um, repetitively harming the victim group. So in closing, you know, reparations is not just about compensation or money. It's also about restitution, rehabilitation, satisfaction, and guarantees of (laughs) non-repetition. Thank you. Okay, so Mm -hmm. we've kind of gotten to the what... um, and I want to know the, the who, who exactly would be getting reparations? Um, and is this like, is it like an, um, yeah, who exactly would be getting reparations? Well, um, you know, the, the federal reparations push is, is in limbo right now. So, right, California is the first state in the nation. We've beat out the federal government in creating a task force that is um, tasked with not only studying reparations proposals, um, but also for developing reparations proposals. And in California, our mandate is to study and develop reparations proposals for African-Americans with a special consideration for African-Americans who are descendants of persons enslaved in the United States. And so our task force has met since June of last year, and we've had ongoing conversations about who should be eligible, right? There are members of, of, of the California Reparations Task Force who have, you know, opinions that reparations in the state of California should go to all Black people, regardless of origin, right? And then there are other people on the task force who have differing opinions opinions. Um, I will say notably at our last hearing, um, Secretary Shirley Weber, who was the lead author of the bill um, that the task force is based on, AB 3121, she um, presented um, expert, well, testimony uh, to the task force, um, and she um, imparted onto the task force uh, who she thinks should be eligible for reparations as she was the lead author of the bill. And essentially what she told us is that she believes the community of eligibility should be to the descendants of slaves. So Black Americans who can trace their ancestry or lineage um, to people who were enslaved in the United States and to um, Black Americans who are descendants of free people of color um, because her argument was that 
while free people of color um, with African ancestry um, might have been free before, you know, the larger Black American community um, in 1865 with the emancipation, um, those people still had to navigate um, a precarious, you know, and racist society. And so her argument is that, you know, the eligible people should be the descendants of enslaved Africans in the United States and the descendants of free people of color who have African ancestry. Um, but I say all that to say Shirley Weber is not necessarily on the well, she's not on the task force. She we just take her, you know, opinion. Um we, you know, we appreciate her opinion, but um at our next hearing in February 23rd and 24th, the California Reparations Task Force will be taking a final vote as to who we think should be eligible for reparations. So I would say stay Whoa. tuned because that is going to be probably history making and yeah. it could um, lead to some ramifications and could set up potential precedent. Mm-hmm. Wow. Two questions, just really quickly. Can you talk about your role on this task force? Like how you got involved in that? What inspired this action for you? Sure. Um, so I think I've always, you know, been interested and in engaged in like grassroots organizing um, as it relates to, you know, civil rights and human rights. And, um, you know, I, I was very active in student activism and political activism as a college student at UCLA. And then at law school, I decided um, that I wanted to continue the work that I was doing in terms of um, civil rights and human rights. and um, yeah, so that's where at law school, Columbia Law School, um, I took many courses on repertory justice. Um, I obtained a dual degree at University of Amsterdam, my third year of law school, and wrote a master thesis on the idea of global repertory justice for the descendants of the transatlantic slave trade, right? So that's throughout the Americas. And um, yeah, so after graduating law school, you know, I decided to continue conversations around reparations and part of those conversations took place in Clubhouse. So I was really just making it a point to just um, intentionally surround myself in the reparation space. And then, you know, AB 3121 got passed into law. And so I just decided to apply to be a part of the task force. And fortunately, I was appointed by um, Assembly um, member Anthony Rendon. And yeah, so I'm here. <laughs> That's so fly. That's amazing. What a journey. Um, And then you were just mentioning that you were interested in like global, what was the word that you used? Repertory justice. Repertory justice. Um, We've had a lot of conversations like this in our own group chat because Chelsea's family, she's not Eidos. Um, (laughs) um, Trinidad, right? Right, exactly. But like, in some part of the world, her family is owed some sort of Absolutely. repertory justice, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so my. And how does that, that work? Yeah. Like, do nations <laughs> come together? Should there be a greater board? Absolutely. I would love for there to be, um, you know, synergy around um, reparations claims for the descendants of the transatlantic slave trade, right? Because Black Americans who are descendants of persons enslaved in the United States. Like our ancestors, ancestors aren't the only ones who were enslaved and experienced that particular subjugation, right? There's also, I know, CARICOM, which is um, 
um, a collection of the heads of, of different Caribbean nation states um, who are who meet regularly and have you know petitioned their former colonial masters, so to say, for reparations, and that they're in an ongoing kind of protracted struggle for that. Um, and then also recently, the Caribbean Union and the African Union had their first kind of virtual summit ever where they talked about these about these conversations around reparations and and strategy. So there's a lot of potential um not only for black folks in the United States but you know across the Americas to be organized around the issue of reparatory justice for the transatlantic slave trade, the institution of slavery um, and the afterlife and how that's manifested in different ways, depending where we're situated. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask all the questions that I feel like our listeners might ask. And yes. I know I have you here. So mm-hmm. some people might say, even, even some black American people might say, come on guys, like we can't ask the government for money. Um, they're not mm-hmm. going to give us money. Like we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your your response to that? Why is why is reparations like necessary for Black Americans? Well, I think that the bootstraps example, and to your point, I've heard that so many times. Um, but it just reminds me of something that I think um, you know the late Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. stated before he was untimely, you know, assassinated, and is that you can't expect someone to pull themselves up by their bootstraps when they don't have any boots to begin with and you know a lot of people will will retort and push back and say okay well that was 60 years ago the situation was different black americans y'all have no excuse and that's not necessarily true like when you look at the data and statistics um you know certain segments of the black american community are are doing um as bad or if not worse than you know where we, we were 60 years ago so I think the situation still stands and um, the answer that Martin Luther King imparted is still true. Um, By and large, Black American community, we don't have the bootstraps necessarily to collectively push ourselves up. Um, It'll it'll take hundreds of years for us to eliminate the racial wealth gap between Black Americans and white Americans. Um, And by 2053, Black Americans will be at zero wealth and that might actually be accelerated because of COVID. And so, you know, there needs to be, there needs to be um, a government response and it shouldn't be, the response shouldn't be, you know, pull yourself by the bootstraps. We need collective repair and reparations. And so that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm thinking of that ta article, The Case for, for Reparations. And I feel like the mm-hmm. overall point of his piece was to say that by giving Black folks reparations, it would be America like acknowledging its sins and acknowledging that a debt is owed. But I like that you're also speaking about it like that there's like tangible shit that needs to happen too. Like step one is acknowledgement, but then also we need to see it. Absolutely. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like I, I know we spoke about the different types of reparations, and it seems like America, I'm saying America as in our government is very comfortable with the uh, knocking down of statues or, you know, having conversations about Harriet Tubman on the 
$10 bill or $20 bill and all of those like kind of symbolic things. But then when it comes to like money, like the actual like funds needed to close the racial like wealth gap, it seems like there's always like more pushback. And we talk about it all the time, um, how, you know, some of us are, you know, as black women in the group chat are making a lot of money, but then we get taxed out the ass. Like, so I've always thought like maybe black Americans shouldn't have to pay taxes for Tax a while. Exempt. Like, I like that. <laughs> but like all of already. these like money, like it's, it's like, I feel like the money part is like a big part. And like the part that everyone's kind of like tiptoeing away from, like we'll do all the symbolic stuff, but like the money, mm, mm-hmm. not so sure about that. That's a really interesting point because I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, just the reaction of people like um, with the Harriet Tubman being on the $20 bill, to a certain extent, Juneteenth being a holiday, um, the George Floyd statute that was um, erected in New York and, and vandalized soon after, right? Um, I'm noticing that, you know, these symbolic measures are, are just propping up which in and of itself isn't bad, but you know, as a repertory justice scholar, I, I kind of have a particular vision of how <sighs> repair could and should look like. And so to your point, I think things like compensation and cash to eliminate the racial wealth gap, right? You know, restitution, you know, accounting for stolen land and other uh, forms of stolen wealth, um, you know, rehabilitation and, and, and helping people um, Mentally, all that stuff is a lot more important, probably, in terms of priority than these symbolic measures. But what you're seeing is these symbolic measures are, you know, being superseded um, or, you know, is superseding some of these other these other measures that should come first. So, I mean, that's a very interesting observation. And it's something that I've also realized. And so, you know, as, you know, the chair of the California Reparations Task Force, I feel like I'm in a unique and privileged position to kind of communicate. <laughs> um, and, and that'll be translated in our proposals. How the more tangible things of redress, like compensation and those other forms, should be prioritized over the more symbolic measures. But not to say symbol- symbolism doesn't mean anything, right? Um, I'm just having so many thoughts about, like, yeah um I I had too many thoughts at once I'm sorry (laughs) sorry I kind of cut my I cut off my speech a little like weird so sorry no 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 (laughs) I'm like I like literally am having so many thoughts but like okay this is what I was thinking one of the thoughts a country that was built off of racism though do we really think that they're gonna change like this the the bedrock of America I mean I love America I'm I'm very grateful right. for all of the opportunities here, especially as the child of immigrants. But yeah. this country is like, it's based off of racism. Um, it's based off of the subjugation of, you know, Native Americans, like Black yeah. people, like mm-hmm. everyone that they can subjugate, they seem to figure out how. So so I guess I guess I just want to push the push us a little bit, like, for the people who are like, this is never going to happen. Like what work needs to be done to make sure that this debt is owed? Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, well, that's a good point. Um, well, I would say that observation has 
merit in the sense that, right, there was a woman named Callie House who was born a slave or enslaved rather in Memphis, Tennessee. And then after emancipation, she was the first, you know, freed woman or freed men um, to create a mutual relief, um, a mutual aid relief fund or society for newly emancipated Black Americans, right? And that mutual relief um, aid society would not only like, you know, help people who were sick or recently died, right? Where they would help, you know, with burial funds and things like that. So in addition to like that uh, mutual aid relief they were doing, they were also advocating for pensions for ex-slaves, AKA reparations. Um, And they were relatively successful in organizing these newly emancipated Black Americans. Um, But then the United States government um, conspired against Callie House and charged her with mail fraud and, you know, stated that, you know, you know, she committed mail fraud and trying to collect, you know, these pennies from these emancipated Black people. Um, all for the purpose of advocating for reparations because Callie House should have known that the United States would never pay reparations for um, uh, emancipated Blacks. So therefore, she was committing fraud. And she was incarcerated for a year. And when she was released, you know, her organization was pretty much dismantled and she died from cervical cancer um, soon after. Right. So um, to your wow. point, yes. So to your point, the United States government has already, you know, told like after Cali House, there was Queen Mother Moore, there was Reparations Ray, there's groups like in Cobra, NAASD, you can even say ADOS. <laughs> there's many different groups that, you know, despite knowing that history, you know, still find it important to um, to engage in that repertory justice work. Um so I'll just say that. <laughs> Wait, have you ever like looked into if you're related to Queen Mother Moore? <laughs> no, and Moore technically isn't my real last name. It's, it's okay. actually Heidel, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> okay, I was like, that would be so cool. I mean, like that story that you told is devastating. And it's just, I think, a testament to how, like what an uphill battle this is. And I like, I really commend you for being so dedicated to it. Yeah, for sure. And I also think that that's like, you know, just like, I just want to highlight, you know, it's, it's black history month. Um, You get Mm -hmm. February, the short month, but (laughs) I want (laughs) to highlight the attitude of African-Americans in this country, because if you think about, you know, we learn about Tulsa, right. But I actually saw on a map that there were like, several other cities that that happened to like that was not an anomaly like you know black americans have been building things up to have you know the state kind of destroy it over and over again yet they don't quit so i mean i just wanted to highlight that um i also have a question for you for someone who's like okay this seems like a legislative thing so obviously my vote really counts is there a political party that is more in line with pro reparations or not so much? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I would definitely say the Democratic, the Democrat Party is more aligned with reparations than the Republican Party. And I, I would say that only because of I know there's HR 40, um, which is, you know, a reparations bill. 
that, you know, um, activists are still struggling to find, um, you know, enough votes in the House for it to get to a House floor vote, rather. Um, And um, yeah, no, no Republicans in the House or the Senate have, um, you know, decided to co-sign or co-author the bill the HR 40 bill, right? It's all Democrats have supported it. So by virtue of that, uh, (laughs) um, it seems like the Democrat party is, um, you know, more open to the idea of reparations, but even still the Democrat party, I mean, they're still, I mean, they're still kind of dragging their feet um, with the two. So. (laughs) Didn't didn't Biden say something about reparations when he was running? I feel like he was throwing that word around. He did. He did. He said that he would support um, a commission to study and develop reparations proposals if it got out the house and the Senate. Um, So there's that. Uh, but there is a, 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 a recent push to have him try to like circumvent that process where he can just use his power, his executive order powers to create like a pre- presidential commission to study and develop reparations proposals for African-Americans. So we'll see. Mm, we'll see. Yeah, I guess yeah. when I've thought about reparations, I really want to see, like, I want to see it. Like, I think I want to see a check in my account. Like, that would be nice. <laughs> and then I want to, like, see it. Like, if, if if reparations means, like, you talked about those different ways that it can be given. Like, I'd like to see it be invested into schools in my neighborhood. But then I think about, like, how long would it take for those schools to see that money? Is it going to get tied up in the bureaucracy of the DOE? Are, are the schools ever going to get any better? Like, you know, like, I don't know. It, I think I do have that kind of feeling like it's impossible. That's that's fair. And, and something that you said just made me um, want to bring up the idea that um, reparations, when and if it happens, because I'm optimistic and hopeful about it, it would have to be a multi-generational program, um, right? Um, because, you know, Black Americans have dealt with multi-generational harms, right and have inherited generational debt <laughs> like the 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 response and the solution and the reparations would have to be proportional to the harm we've endured so by that very nature reparations would have to be a multi-generational project where not only would you benefit but you know your progeny would benefit as well so it's a very much like kind of forward um thinking project and I know that only answers half of your question but I just wanted to just throw that out there no I mean I think that's an amazing point Mm -hmm. yeah I also wonder I also wonder because I I don't know if you said it on our conversation now or if this is something I'm remembering from Clubhouse but Mm -hmm. um the fact that like black American wealth is going to be zero dollars in the near future like very Mm -hmm. near future um but when I look on the news and I look on TV, I'm still seeing like first black billionaire, <laughs> first black. Yeah. It seems like there's progress. Like it seems yeah. like we had a first pre- a black president. We've had mm-hmm. it seems like there is like progress within the yeah. black community. So how do those two things exist at the same time? It's a good point. I, I think that, yeah, progress, you know, black people um in America have excelled um not because of but in spite of white supremacy right and anti-black racism so we're always gonna excel 
um, and, and, and be in a state of progression. But at the same time, um, you know, we know that, you know, the media sometimes can, you know, be employed to obscure what's really going on in Black communities, um, right? Um, and and to the point of, like, the Black president and Black vice president, I don't, I don't, we can go there, but, like, you know, Barack Obama, his, his father is of an immigrant origin from Kenya, vice chair, I mean, vice president Kamala Harris is um, Black as well, but her mother or her father is from Jamaica and her mother is from India, right? And so a lot of people are saying, well, when will we get a Black American president who descends from slaves in, in the United States? Um, or, you know, a vice president who is a descendant of a slave in, in these here United States. I think that's a different conversation for another day. <laughs> I am one of those people yeah. that asks that question. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I definitely want to have that conversation. Maybe it's a part two, or maybe you can point me in the right direction of someone we can invite because um, I know on clubhouse, the conversation of like delineation is very big. Um, and I'd certainly like to learn more and slash share more with our listeners um but that's for another day we're on reparations today um (laughs) so for someone who is like okay wow i've learned so much from camilla i want to get involved i this i'm i'm i want to see black people in america get reparations Mm -hmm. what steps can they take should they take how can they get involved that's a great question. So if folks want to learn more about the work that I'm doing um, with the California Reparations Task Force as a sitting chairperson, uh, feel free to go to our website, which is oag.ca.gov slash AB3121. Um, you'll find um, our meeting schedules, past videos, um, bios for each of the nine members of the task force and other information as well on that website. It's a California Department of Justice hosted website. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at Camila V. Moore. Um, and then there's also reparations organizations um, that I encourage folks to be involved in, uh, depending on your politics, right? There's Encobra, there's NARC, there's um, NAASD. Um, there's many different groups. So if folks follow me, um, I'd be happy to send resources. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. I feel like this is, has been so fruitful. I think folks are going to learn a lot. Glenn, did you have any, any other questions as our, uh, <laughs> our black girls texting black American queen? You know, are you holding it down for us? <laughs> no, I mean, you've given me some hope. I hope <laughs> to see it. Okay, great. That's that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. Thanks. That's great. I hope I imparted hope to all of your amazing listeners. Thanks again for the um, time. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. And before you leave, is there any um any other thing that I missed that you feel like listeners should know? Oh uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, just stay tuned. California Reparations Task Force. We have a lot of things upcoming again. At our February 23rd and 24th meeting, we're going to take a final vote on who we think should be eligible for reparations. It'll be like a two-hour discussion, so it should be very, very interesting, and it could set a potential precedent. 
Um, we're also, as I said, you know, convening a team of economists to help with the compensation part of our, our task. We're also creating like a community engagement plan or process um, where in between our formal hearings, we'll be going to communities directly throughout the state to hear what, uh, what their needs are and what, you know, reparations may look like for them. And uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I will definitely be staying tuned to hear how that goes because I don't know. I feel like it could get a little spicy. Yes, (laughs) I think so too. (laughs) Well, we'll be on the lookout for that. Um, Happy Black History Month. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Happy Black History Month to both of you. And yes, uh, yes, have a great day. So... This is a, a, a long, what would you do? But I think it's good. Um, I actually read this to my man. and He gave advice too. So I know I was reading this with my friend actually. So some... We got a lot of perspectives. Um, but this young lady says, hi, BGT. Day one listener. Love the vibe you girls radiate. It's black girls, sex in the city, pure love and pure friendship. Thank you. I'm oh, Samantha. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Charlotte. Said. Lens carry. <laughs> <laughs> she is Miranda. Oh really? This bitch would be with Chay Diaz. Oh yeah, would be you with Chay Diaz. I would, and I you might just care. like run away. I was watching some old episodes. I was like, wow, Miranda has never committed to anything. And also, I feel like Low Miranda key. used to get a lot of shit for like being boring, but like she actually was kind of lit. She was she pretty was lit. lit. Okay, uh, let's not right, go to Sex in the City tangent, girls. We could do this easily. Okay, not sure if you ladies do listener letters, but I need your advice. We sure do. I have a major lifelong dilemma. I'm a 31-year-old virgin growing up in extremely Muslim religion. I felt so much pressure to hold on to my virginity until marriage. I've had a couple short-lived relationships here and there with super religious men, but overall a lot of crazy guilt around sex and therefore these relationships were pretty much non-sexual. When I turned 27, I started to question my beliefs and how much they limited what I really wanted in life and decided to step away from religion. I wanted to learn more about my body and exchange and engage in sex. I met a guy who was not religious and the relationship turned really emotionally and mentally abusive. I'm not sure if it was because of my lack of experience, but the times we tried to have sex early in the relationship, he got super aggressive with me, very impatient and made me feel insecure about my body. Fuck that nigga. He also started seeing multiple women during the relationship and we never really got far sexually. The situation and my previous beliefs around sex has really made me insecure about dating, and I haven't even bothered to try since the pandemic started. I feel like a freak, not the good kind, and I question if I will ever have a satisfying relationship because I'm so behind sexually, and I don't think that any men would want to deal with that. I've recently downloaded the apps, but it gets overwhelming. Men see you look a certain way and expect, and they expect that you are this type of sexual woman, and I feel like I'd really disappoint if I shared them with them early on that I'm a virgin at this big age. Any advice on navigating the dating scene while feeling so behind and insecure about this? Ooh. Oh, this. This is very tricky. I have a close friend that's a virgin, and she's our age. Um, I, feel like I was going to say, we've talked about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. My person, I mean, she disagrees with me and she's experiencing it, but I feel like if I were in that place, I don't think you need to tell people that you're a virgin. That's what my man said. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Why do you need to share that? Just like, I don't need to share 
maybe that I was a hoochie mama at one point. <laughs> so, okay, twofold. First, you have nothing to feel insecure about. Like, you being a virgin should not make you feel insecure. So I feel like you need to kind of, like, wipe that out of your mind because that's also probably, like, a mental block that's just limiting you from even putting yourself out there more than you already are. So let's let that go as much as possible. Um, And you probably need to do like some therapy or work around some of maybe like, I don't want to say trauma that feels extreme, but some of the limitations you might've felt within your very religious upbringing and the previous experiences you had. Cause if you can't love yourself, you can't love anybody else, baby. However, my perspective on sharing that you are a virgin might just be because you don't know what could come of you having sex for the first time with someone else. And if not even from like a physical perspective, but if like mentally or emotionally, you have like a very extreme response, like you might be doing that in the dark. I mean, maybe you could tell them after sure, but like that could just be something that brings up a lot of emotions that you didn't anticipate. And then the person is like, confused and I don't know I feel like the transparency would definitely be helpful and you could have a partner who could be like gentle and soft and caring and loving with you not that they wouldn't be if you were not a virgin but still I think they would add that extra layer of TLC totally and I think we talk a lot about like the communication that's necessary in sex in general like I think we should be communicating to people what we like and we don't like what our boundaries are so I think that that's just all a part of it. Like, I don't think people are, I mean, I'm sure there are groups of people who have sex in this way. I think we could be having sex in this way a lot more, but like having a conversation before you lay down with someone and just sort of understand where people are coming from is very healthy. So I, I'm for communicating that. It's not that it's necessarily their business, but I think it's just good to be like transparent in that way. And then the first time I read this letter, just to add to what you were saying, Shade, something that struck me was that I feel like this listener needs to tap into their own personal, like, sexy and confidence. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest, like, some getting some toys and, like, doing some self-pleasure and kind of finding out what turns you on, what makes you feel good. And I would also suggest maybe trying, like, some pole dancing or, like, mm-hmm. a sexy dance class, like, all that kind of stuff to sort of, like, exude some sex and some sensuality and something from within and just start like really feeling yourself, you know, cause that'll also people feel that without you having to like be for without, without it having to be about sex. It's just about like your confidence. I love that. Yeah. I definitely agree with the toys, even some like toys that enter your body. Yes. Like, like <laughs> the ones that go in, not just the, I know. The I'm girls. like, what is the word for that? Uh, dildos no but it's like people are like i don't like <laughs> internal 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 toys or, penetration um, penetrating toys yeah, yeah exactly. i but personally I don't like penetrating toys i i've never either, tried them but... because i've had penis but if you haven't maybe a t- i i think i think if you're concerned about like oh you don't know what it's gonna be like why not just try it when you're by yourself and like you feel safe like just so you know what it feels like to have a penis like thing enter mm-hmm. your body. Um, Cause it is different from like a tampon, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do think I still maintain that you don't need to share it, but I do agree that you should get to know yourself on your own. 
so that it's not like a total surprise. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the moment, if something feels wrong or it hurts or whatever, just say like, oh, it actually, that doesn't feel great. But yeah, I don't think I genuinely, and, and, and with the emotional piece, I would feel that way if she were younger. But like, I think at 30, you understand that there's a possibility that you might have like an emotional connection. There's a mm-hmm. possibility that he might not give a fuck about your emotional connection. And so that's kind of just life. And I think you're old enough and mature enough to understand that. Um, so yeah, I still don't think you need to share it. Unless you want to. One other thing. Ratatata Shade, because you know you got Zen Shade before. Fuck one of your friends. Yo, I was just thinking that. I was like, yo, maybe you should find a friend to fuck. I literally was thinking that, but then I was like, mm, what friends do you have that you can fuck without it being like without it turning like into a, a thing. thing or losing that because I was like could you just pick up somebody like kind of random but that you kind of know you know like no or strings attached kind of thing and just do it you could hire a sex worker I thought about that too thought about that too <laughs> I mean honestly me losing my virginity even though I kind of was dating the guy was because I just was like oh I want to get this over with and he was like a homie I was like uh yeah no I don't I don't I don't love this just yet and it, yeah. that was it that was the end of the story yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it definitely is like a tough situation. And I talked to my personal friend about this a lot. Cause she's like, if you, if you tell some guys, it kind of freaks them out. And yes, we could all say like typical girl power response, like, well, then he's not for you. But like, why do you want to put that extra burden on your like dating experience? If like, you don't have to, it's not mandatory to tell people your sexual history or lack thereof, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. True, there are many like ways to skin this cat. How many people no pun intended. Fuck with, right? You know, we don't say that. But cat, what? I said there are many ways to skin a cat. Oh my no god! <laughs> skin out your cat. Just kidding. <laughs> well, Let's get that clip for social media. <laughs> Update us. I would love to know how this goes. The rest of this journey. And tell us what city you're in. If you are in New York, maybe we have trusted men for you. Imagine being recruited to do that. <laughs> like, like I, I have someone one of my friends. Mind. Like, hey, listen, he's a know? kind guy. Like, oh he'll God. be gentle. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and mm. honestly, like I don't I don't mean this in a rude way at all. So don't take it that way, but also probably see a therapist because um, like it's it's like deeper things like religion and like your um, relationship with that. So I think maybe talk to someone and out those feelings, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree on that. Definitely. Well, well best of luck. Us. And update us. Like, I would love to hear about this journey. Um, but if anyone else has some advice that they are looking to get from people with no expertise, but opinions, uh, email us at hello at black girls texting, or you can DM us at black girls texting, or you can tweet us at black girls text one, or you can comment on our YouTube, which is also black girls texting. You can also become a patron, Patreon slash black girls texting. And I think I've covered it. I think that's it. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Stay black and sexy.
Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.